and the great things that happened during that time. The transformation of lives, the transformation of the church, the transformation of our communities. God can do that again, and he will if we pray, if we desire it, and if we pray for it to happen. Good morning and welcome to our discussion this morning our, and uh, our consideration of uh, just two verses from the book of uh, Habakkuk chapter 3. We are going to read verses 3, 1 and 2. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's our prayer to or should be our prayer, my brothers and sisters. We need to see a revival in our day. We need to feel God's presence around in our midst. And we need to experience his mighty works as the people of long ago experienced. So let's um, take uh, a little time now to see what happened in the time of um, Habakkuk. Now, <clears throat> Habakkuk prayed to God. He said a prayer. Things were not right in the nation and Habakkuk prayed. And what God, and God answered almost immediately. And Habakkuk was not happy with the answer. In fact, he was shocked. The nation is in a chaotic situation. The people are not obedient to God. And God is, and, and Habakkuk is praying for God to do in his day what he did in times past, in the same circumstances. We know that God constantly sent people to come and lead the nation of Israel from a state of backsliding um, to a position of revival and restoration of right relationship with God. I think um, uh, King David, um, time in, as king, 
is a is a is a good example of I mean was in any case was a huge difference from the time of King Saul. And Israel prospered under David because throughout his reign, I mean, um, Israel was in a kind of a spiritual revival, which also led to economic revival and, um, and, and, and military power, a revival of uh, Israel's superiority as a military power. And Habakkuk was looking back at all these things, what God had done, and praying, do these things again in our time. But you see, another prayer is perfect, but it was not um, quite as, perf as, as, prayer, uh, as perfect as it sounds. <clears throat> Because um, the prophet's attitude was not right. He wanted God to do what the prophet told him to do. He wanted to give approval to whatever action God would take to revive Israel. And God shocked the prophet when he said, what I'm going to do I'm going to invite the terrible, the feared, the very corrupt nation of Babylon to come and invade this country and teach my people how to behave. And the prophet could not believe it. But that is what God was going to do. His mind was made up. And uh, we, as we know from other scriptures, that did happen. Now, the world today, my friends, is in a state of chaos and uncertainty. And one could say, actually, that life has never been so dangerous. Life has never been as dangerous as it is today. Now, how should Christians respond to this situation? How should we believe as in Christ Jesus even pray? What should be the content of our prayer? What should we pray for? Shall we tell God, you know, to keep away that disaster from coming? Or shall we tell him, let it come? Shall we argue with God when God reveals to us what he's about to do to his church, his disobedient church, and to his disobedient world? What are we going to do? What should we do? Where, where should be our focus, my friends, is the question. On the problem, on the solution, or what, on what should we maintain our focus? Again, let me say, let us learn from Habakkuk where our focus should be. And Habakkuk came to learn that his focus should be not on the problem, but on God. 
our focus will not be any different. And talking about focus, I find no better example than the example of Peter. When he saw Jesus walking on water, and he and his friends were in the boat on the lake. And, and, and Peter, um, according to Matthew 14, verse 25 to 30, asked Jesus to allow him to walk on the water as well, or to enable him. And, and Jesus said, yes, come, come, come. And Peter started walking until he turned his face away from Jesus. He changed his focus, diverted his focus from Jesus to the waves, and he was terrified, and Peter began to sink, and he would have drowned, except that Jesus reached out his hand and, and got hold of Peter, and thereby saving him. And my argument today is that the church has lost focus, and it is sinking. It is sinking in the chaos it has itself created and that chaos that is already in the world. Our focus as believers in Christ has been diverted to non-essentials, to things that have no eternal value, material things. A church churches these days, I mean, some of the things that identify what a church is, is the building itself, the mag magnificence of church buildings these days, and their huge size is just, you know, um, uh, is noticeable. Huge buildings and huge titles by which um, the leaders of these big churches in big structures, you know, are led. Huge projects and huge and spectacular programs with the high sounding names, but no spiritual value. The most important thing is missing from our life as believers today, we lack love. We have forgotten, we have neglected our principal commission, winning souls for Christ. The last word of Christ to his disciples, the last commission was going to the world, the whole world, and make disciples of every nation. So the New Testament church is a going out church. The New Testament church, the success of a New Testament church is not based on the numbers who turn up on Sunday for worship, not on the, pro the beauty of the programs or the success of the programs, Know the eloquence of, of, of the ministers, the main focus 
of our church to the, of the church according to the great commission is to win souls for Jesus Christ is to attract men and women to Jesus not by our words necessarily but by our life let people see us the way we live the way we relate to one another and to God let them hear our words let them evaluate our character let them be attracted to Jesus Christ because they can see these men and these women are so like their Lord Jesus Christ but that is an element that is the very element that is sorely lacking in us today we are so attached to worldly things and these worldly attachments were actually the reason uh, that Jesus was often in conflict with the Pharisees take for instance Matthew 15:1 to 9 their religion the religion of the Pharisees was an outward an empty religion it was not in their heart now Ezekiel the prophet Isaiah compares this kind of empty religion to dry bones dry bones my friends that is where that is what much of the church is like i don't condemn the church myself I have no authority to do that but I have been there long enough to know that there are dry bones heaps and heaps of them in the church today and so what should we do then under these circumstances friends we can do no more and no less than what habakkuk did we can and we should pray for a revival habakkuk prayed for a revival he says renew your work in our day now for god to do he prayed for god to do in his time in you know habakkuk's day what he had done previously and then he says uh, renew your work in our day a chapter 3 verse 2 and what if we may ask did god do in the past that we that we christians would wish him to do again i mean god had done much for israel in the past like i like i already mentioned an example is the you know king david and the good work that he did now what has gone what has gone what has um, god done in the church age that we would wish to see him do again in our time now the first century church as you know from the book of acts of apostles was born of a great revival a great revival on that day of pentecost and revivals have ever since occurred from time to time in the history of the church i mean those of us who are my age or even a little older or even a little younger would have had or even experienced would have you know met 
people, men and women, the age of our parents, my own parents, who, who were alive and who experienced this, the East African uh, revival in the, in, in, in the 1950s up to the 60s and the great things that happened during that time. The transformation of lives, the transformation of the church, the transformation of our communities. God can do that again, and he will if we pray, if we desire it, and if we pray for it to happen. But, 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 but wait a minute, what, what, what is revival really? It is restoration of God's presence. It is to experience God's power, his glory, his work among his people in the church. It is to, it is to rediscover, you know, to rediscover, my friend, the fear of God, which is, again, so amazing in us today. We treat God as if he was our grandfather or our favorite uncle. So <clears throat> revival includes to rediscovering the fear of God. It is to rediscover respect for God and his work and the people who are working, you know, um, in the name of God. Yes, miracles do happen. But I'm not going to talk about miracles because people have completely abused this, the, the, the matter of miracles, the gift of miracles. Miracles and wonders happen during times of revivals and they will happen again. Genuine miracles and, mirac and, and genuine wonders. Not the fake ones that are performed, you know, in exchange for money at the marketplace. And then, above all, as far as we are concerned, there was repentance. And for me, the last is the most important thing, namely, People discover they are sinners and they repent. As a child, I saw a lot, much of this from the people who were saved during the 50s revival. I mean, they never stopped, I mean, saying over and over again that they are sinners and they are saved only by grace. But even after that, they, are still, they still continue to sin and they are totally dependent on God's mercy and God's grace to live the Christian life. We have lost this sense of our own sinfulness as believers today. We think you are just perfect. You are washed once, you are cleansed once, you are forgiven once, and then you are perfect. That's it. It was a time of great praise and worship of God in the real sense of the world. Now, remember, my friends, the day of Pentecost, which we have just noted in passing. The church was born on the day of Pentecost. And there, when there was a, a powerful manifestation of the power of God, and God continued to do mighty deeds amongst his people, 
you know, through the hands of the apostles for, 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 for many years. When many, many people, thousands of people were saved, uh, we are told that actually uh, thousands of people were being saved daily after the day of Pentecost and joining the church. So the question is then, when we look at our church to the church today, the question should be, what exactly happened? When we look at our church, the character of the church, and, and its image, and compare with the church described in the book of Acts of Apostles, I wonder what we shall see there. Do we have any resemblance to the true church of Jesus Christ as described in the book of Acts of Apostles? I don't think so. For the glory of man has replaced the glory of God. We have chosen to build cathedrals. We have chosen to, I mean, to give ourselves huge titles so that we may be recognized by the world as great men, great men of God. We, we, we love ranks. Your highness, your holiness, your most beautiful, your most excellent, and things like that. We, 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 we like to express our personal opinions even if they are contrary to the word, word of God. We have become Christian Pharisees. We have become hypocrites. Now, friends, Jesus is the author of revival. Nobody can create a revival, even though I've, 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 I know I have, I've had people, you know, gathering, uh, you know, to, create, to bring about a revival. You know, so when people meet together and they sing and they dance and they clap and they feel excited, they think that is a revival, they lie. They are cheating themselves. Revival is authored by God. It is brought to us by God alone, by his spirit. God wants us to see, God wants to see his followers I mean, Christ wanted his, his, his followers to see his glory when he left. And he prayed that God would allow that to happen. That they may see my glory. The glory that I had before I came into the world. That is a kind of a revival. Revival, my friends, is possible in our time if we want it. And if we want a revival, we should make it the focus of our prayer. We should pray like Habakkuk. Do in our time what you did in ages past. And um, how we can participate in praying for revival, knowing that only God can bring about a revival. Um, how we can participate is to know that the Bible, the Bible does tell us that through faithful prayer and obedience to God's word, we can actually 
experience a revival. No revival is like another. There are some huge events that, that kind of shake the entire establishment and even the society. But there are also small time revivals in, in small groups. There are even cases of personal revivals. Now here is an example of a revival, 2nd Chronicles 7.14. It requires for us to humble ourselves. If my people who are called by name will humble themselves and seek my face, you know, and turn away from their sins, turn from their sinful ways, and then pray to me, I will hear them. And if I hear them, I will answer them. Amen? That's a revival. Acts 3, 19, 20, he says, repent. Turn to God. Your sins will be wiped out. And you experience times of, times of refreshing. That's a revival. Let that be enough. Habakkuk, after hearing the word of God, had a change of heart. After he understood what God was going to do, he had a change of heart and broke out in praise of God. Towards the end of uh, chapter 3, that is what we see. Uh, Habakkuk uh, uh, is now has aligned himself with God. He, he doesn't see the Babylonians as a threat anymore because he is no longer focusing on the Babylonians he is focusing on God. My dear friends, are you tired as I am of business as usual kind of Christianity? There's something we, you and I can do about it. Do you ever, my friend, desire to experience a revival? A season refreshing? I sincerely desire that. God has revived his church at various times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I believe, sincerely believe that if there's anything God would rather do for us today is for the church of Jesus Christ to experience a mighty revival. Not the thought. So let us learn to change our prayers from God give me this, from praying for small things. Let us ask God to give us the world. He says exactly that. Ask me for the nations and I'll give it, give them to you. Let us learn to ask God for the things that are according to his will, that are pleasing to his own heart, not pleasing to ourselves. Let us pray for a revival in our day. Let us pray for an experience of the Pentecostal, uh, you know, um, feeling in our church. For the presence of God, for his mighty deeds to be seen amongst his people today. We cannot ourselves cause a revival to happen. For this is exclusively the work of God. Jesus says, if you, but Jesus did say that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done and, and I will do it. John 15, 7. So my friends, there it is. 
Ask and you receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. It's another thing that Jesus said to, to, to his disciples. So, if a revival is needed and it is lacking, it is because we have neglected prayer. We have neglected, neglected repentance. We have lost focus. Let us turn away from worldliness, oh God, oh, oh my friends. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And may God bless you. Amen. Thank you.